What is Peace Brain? Peace Brain is the synergistic connection between our mental and emotional bodies, blending the electrical power of the mind with the magnetic force of the heart. Listen and explore how to create unity worldwide as we blend science and metaphysics and open our hearts and minds to the possibilities of peace on earth and create the life we are each destined for. Featured guests range from angel communicators to zoologists and everything in between. Now here is your host, Dr. Gail Lash. Hello and welcome to the Peace Brain Show. This is your host, Dr. Gail Lash, and I'm so happy to be here with you today. I am broadcasting from beautiful Belize in Central America, and I have a guest who is also here in Belize. We're going to be talking about so many things, environmentalism, um, perhaps being a vegan, talking about the new world that we're creating, maybe get into a little bit of... um, Talk about music, ukulele, chess <laughs> uh, player, you know. Anyway, I have a very interesting guest, so we'll get to her in just a moment. But first, as you know, if you've listened to my shows in the past, I opened the show with a quote. And this quote I really enjoy. I, I was researching on the internet and found the quotes by Charles Kettering. And this one's great. It says, We are not at the end of our progress, but at the beginning. We have but reached the shores of a great unexplored continent. We cannot turn back. It is man's destiny to ponder the riddle of existence, and as a byproduct of his wonderment, to create a new life on this earth. So for me, I get excited when I read this one because, as you know, if you've listened to the Peace Brain shows before, it is about connecting your head and your heart, really investigating the truth, investigating how we can create this new life on earth. As we know in these times of the pandemic of COVID-19, so many things are changing. So many things are being remorphed and reorganized and uh, rearranged in our collective societies worldwide that many new things, new opportunities are going to pop out into existence. And I'm really excited actually about that. So we have to realize that we're not at the end of our progress. We're just at the beginning. And we have to explore. We have to ponder the riddle of existence. And that includes both our physical existence and our spiritual existence. So I invite you to join us today. We're going to be talking about probably some of these ponderings and and probabilities and possibilities of what that new life on earth could look like today with my wonderful guest, Nia Bean. And Nia is lives in Belmapan, Belize, the capital city. Um, she is she has a blog and you can go to her blog at well, she's got two websites actually. One of them is beansimple.home.blog, and let me spell that to, for you. It's B as in boy, E A N as in Nancy, E, so B E A N E, and then simple, S I M P L E dot home, H O M E dot blog. So that's one of Nia's websites. The next one is niabean.com, so that's N I A B E A N E dot com. 
So something about Nia, she, I'll just show, you can go to her website. She's definitely an environmentalist, a vegan, a photographer, a pianist, a ukulele player. That's very interesting, actually. <laughs> a, a singer, volleyball player, chef, baker, chess player, debater. She's also a Baha'i and a youth peacemaker, a spiritual soldier. So... I am just excited to talk with Nia today. So welcome, Nia, to the Peace Brain Show. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm very honored to be here today. Um, and yeah, I'll, I hope you have a great time today. I'm discussing some things. And that was a um, beautiful quote that you shared earlier. So I'm just um, excited to see what um, the conversations we'll have here today will be. Fantastic. So I know you have... Um, on your website, I see you've written a blog about climate fiction. It says, Nia, high school student, wins entry in the Two Degrees Climate Fiction Anthology. Tell us a little bit about that climate fiction story collection. Uh, sure. So um, I don't know if it was mentioned earlier, but um, I, I do live in Valpan, Belize, but I have gone up to Virginia to finish up my high school years. Um, and there, there are a lot more courses than, um, are available at my previous school here in Belize. Um, and every semester there's a new English class, um, that you choose, that you can take. And so for the first semester I took, um, a beginner Shakespeare class. Um, so that was very fun and we, um, looked up, um, some things we read, several of Shakespeare's works, and that was very interesting. Um, and for the second semester, I decided to take a course. Um, I forgot the exact name, but it was along the lines of um, short stories about climate change. So reading some and also writing some. Um, and so we read um, actually out of several anthologies, um, but we are also had um, assignments to write our own short stories. And um, towards the end of the year, my teacher shared with us an opportunity to submit our stories to um, an upcoming anthology. And um, at the beginning of the summer season, I, I got the news that two of my stories were accepted into the anthology. So that was wow. what that little um, post was about. So I was very excited for that. And two of my classmates also got their work in it. So I think um, within a few months, they'll be um, able to get those out in print to anyone who wants to buy them. Um, and so that's just twodegreesanthology.com, or if you just go to my website, you'll see the link right there. That's fantastic. So how was it writing a story about climate change? Um, it was definitely interesting. Um, I've never... Well, I, I am a bit of a writer, but I was never that person who would, you know, just write all day or write articles for a school newspaper. Um, so it was definitely a bit of a challenge to write a story that would have to be graded or might have a chance of getting into an anthology. Um, and what's interesting is you can kind of see, um, you know, the first story, we had to write a total of three stories in the class. And my first story 
um, didn't get accepted, but my second two were, and I think that kind of shows that I had improved in my writing and persuasion. Um, and I think that it was just really nice to have the opportunity to translate some of my feelings uh, into these stories um, to just kind of imagine what a world, what different um, versions of our very own planet could be and translating that into a, into a piece of literature. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Could you give us a summary of one of your stories? Uh, sure. So uh, my personal favorite out of the three is um, one, I think it was one of the high honorable mentions um, that got accepted. And that one is called Waves and Spells. Um, and that one basically follows a young, I think she's Filipino <laughs> um, girl. And basically she's part of this tribe and they live mainly on the water. Um, and she is experiencing these effects of climate change within her very own, you know, her village there. And one day there's this really bad storm and her brother goes overboard. Um, they went out to fish and her brother goes overboard and then eventually her father comes and they're able to get him back into the boat. Um, and then, you know, they're all in an area with a lot of their neighbors and everything, but you can just see that, I guess you could see in the story if you're imagining it, that, you know, a lot of their homes and their, you know, their, their village has been destroyed because of this and that this wouldn't normally happen. Um, and I did a bit of research before the story just so I can get things as accurate as I could. Um, and if I had a translator, I might be able to have added more um, of the, you know, the national language in dialogue. But, um, you know, it, it did have one of its... Uh, some of its most um, damaging natural disasters within the past few years. So it kind of is, you know, realistic in that way. And so the assignment for that one was to, you know, it, it is a work of fiction, um, but for it to be something that could happen in the present day, um, and that could very well happen in the present day, especially when you look at what has been happening for the past few years. What did some of your research turn up when you started researching this climate change around the world? You obviously picked a place, you're talking about flooding or, or changes of ocean temperature or that type of thing? Uh, yeah, so, um, you know, I didn't have all the time to research since I was, you know, juggling that as well as other subjects. Um, but what I kind of uncovered and saw through just reading a few things was that, you know, it is affecting many corners of of the globe and um you know some places it's fires some it's floods and a lot of these places are um you know are having their record temperature record um uh wind wind speed in these um certain disasters and that you know is a kind of a reflection of the changes that our world is going through and even the smallest thing can just affect um somewhere else or some creatures, or some um, a group of people, a lot. Even if we don't, you know, think about it, we might think, "Oh, it's just a few degrees." But then, you know, that might result in tons of ice melting, and then that, of course, is sea level rise, and then that affects this, and then you know, tsunami. So there are all these things that are interconnected. And I thought it was just very interesting um, looking at all these countries and areas of the world that have been um, highly affected by all of these effects. Excellent. Good job. And you said something a minute ago about uh, it reflects all the changes that we're going through. And, of course, 
you know, the topic underlying the Peace Brain show is about peace, and peace to me, at least, as mm-hmm. as my my heart and my head come together and talk about is that we are all interconnected and that everything we're doing with the earth and of course with each other is interconnected. Of course, right now during these pandemic, we are certainly seeing that as the reality in climate change, which God forbid could be our next, well is, uh, is already an, uh, a catastrophe or a pandemic, if you will, happening around the world that we're not necessarily focusing on the same catastrophes happening around the earth and to different peoples. But it is it does point out that everything is as like a biological system, and I am a biologist. <laughs> uh, it is one biological system, the earth is, and it is all the workings, everything's tied up together from the oceans warming and, and you're right, the fires or the droughts that are happening in some places and the floods and others. So what kind of, I guess the big philosophical question is what kind of earth we can create together and, of course, how can we go about that? And each scenario is different and has social justice issues and economic issues associated with it. But let's take Belize, for example, um, or any other country that you choose to talk about. How can climate change be addressed here um, that could help the crops, help the people, help the employment, help maybe the social justice? What what were did you when in when ah, it's a long question <laughs> when you were doing your research and writing your stories, it must have occurred to you at some point like oh in my own home country, um, this is something that perhaps would be really good to address. Did anything like that come to your mind? Um, well, I think it, you know, it's a good point you brought up about, you know, peace and us all being connected and, you know, social justice and all of this. And I think that in Belize, we're lucky enough to, you know, not have as many drastic changes from climate change. You know, even with this COVID-19 pandemic, we've had um, quite a low case count. Um, and we, you know, we haven't been growing as exponentially as other countries. So we're very, uh, lucky for having that. We are blessed. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, it is a lot of interconnectedness, um, maybe not within just areas of the globe, but with different issues. Um, and, you know, in Belize, I think one of the, uh, most pressing issues is things like, um, crime, uh, and in, if you're talking about um, environmental change, you know, the amount of single-use plastic and styrofoam that is used. Um, and I remember uh, a few weeks ago, I was I went out with some friends, and we just went to, you know, several places um, that, you know, sell drinks and stuff. And I remember at each location just looking at um, the table we had afterwards, and I myself didn't really buy any drinks. Um, but, you know, they had the, the plastic drink container and then the straw and then the, you know, container you know they were all <laughs> right. all this plastic um that was there you know they didn't really care about it and i think that we something has to be done to you know have people care about it more and you know sometimes you walk around you see people wearing shirts you know from some type of initiative in belize or you know if there's like earth day shirt or something um, but I think that people don't really apply things into their own life. They think, oh, somebody else is going to do it. Or, you know, it's just one thing. And even, you know, um, 
seeing people like in my volleyball team, like if we're going somewhere for a game and they want to go to the shop one time to buy a few snacks and they come back, they go to the shop to buy some Gatorade or something. Every time they just bring a new plastic bag and then once they're done with whatever snacks or drinks they bought, they just put that in a plastic bag and throw the plastic bag in the trash. And you just think of that, all that accumulating. And, um, you know, the people by the landfills, you know, might be receiving uh, respiratory issues because of that, just the amount of carbon in the air. And, you know, as a country, we don't really have many, like, I would say factories and manufacturing. A lot of the stuff we have is imported. Uh, so you might say, oh, well, we're not really producing that many emissions, but we just throw away so much and there aren't many laws in place to prevent that. And there was this phasing out thing with um, – you know, different goals, like by April, uh, styrofoam or single-use plastic can't be imported, and then by this and by that. And although, you know, that's, you know, people have been sharing that, oh, such a great initiative and stuff, when you go to the store, it's the same thing. When you go to a restaurant, it's the same thing. And so, thing is, you see a few little changes here and there, but it's it's not big enough. It's not drastic enough. And I think you really have to, if you want to make change, it has to be within the minds of people so that when they go to the store instead of like oh oh yeah I forgot to bring my own bag it's oh my god I forgot to bring my own bag and now I took this plastic bag and now this plastic bag couldn't appear and appear or hurt this animal and you have to think about the consequences of your actions and I don't think enough people are thinking about that and thinking of all the alternatives that have um that have popped up around the world because I think right now you know we have so many alternatives for so many things and um in a lot of cases, these alternatives can even save you money um, and save you time, but people just don't know about them. People don't really care to even find out more about them. So I think that it's really the education, especially from a young age, that should be um, emphasized, even for things like crime. Um, you know, people grow up in a certain environment where that isn't uh that you know it, it isn't looked at as maybe such a bad thing or their their older siblings do it so why should they not get involved with it you know it's an easy way to make money or this or that so i think a lot of it is in education especially from a young age you know you just answered what i was going to ask you your next question <laughs> but, let's, <laughs> but let's delve into it a little bit more so for anyone listening we're talking this is uh gail lash and we're talking with nia bean and Nia, the, you just were talking about how do we do that, and it's education from the young age. That was going to be my question. How do we change people's habits, basically, or the way we think about plastic and other ways we use the environment? Uh, one of my oh, ones that is concerning to me is cutting down all the trees for pasture or for, um, for other human uses that maybe isn't the best for the total environment or water conservation, etc. But how do we? So you said from a young age, doing education. What does that look like, or what could that look like? Um, well, of course, I oh, thank you for your question. Um, I think that you know the first the first educational experience for children is in the home. Um, and I think they, you know, children, when they, when children are born, I guess when they're babies, they don't really have many set opinions, right? If you ask a baby, you know, babies, newborn babies can't really be racist or, you know, sexist or anything because they're just kind of a clean slate, you know? And it's as they grow that they develop these views and these opinions, um, from the things that they're being exposed to that they'll grow up and have a certain view against certain people or about how they should 
act and that's why you know parenting is very important but i think that it does it does start in the home so when they see that when they're you know when they're ordering something out that their parents are just bringing home styrofoam and plastic like it's nothing then they're going to grow up with that thinking that oh it's it's fine i'll just that's what everyone else does and then you know at school if they're it's the same thing they're you know, the teacher comes in and they have a styrofoam cup because they just went to go get some juice instead of just bringing their own container from home that they could have put the juice in. You know, it's all these little things that they um, that children observe in their environment. And so I think that's why, you know, when I go to the store with my own bag or um, not buying as many, like, processed foods and stuff, I, I think that, you know, I, I hope that... Oh, I'm, I'm influencing some people, you know, when you see maybe instead of buying, um, instead of buying like white rice, I'm buying brown rice or, you know, just these little things that I hope that people are looking at it. And I think that, you know, like I said, it does start in the home. It starts in school. It starts with the people in your friend, friend group. And, you know, I think the media these days as well, you know, a lot of kids, social media, YouTube. Um, so if anything could be promoted on there as well, it's great. But I think it's really the environment you're in because, you know, if the majority of people are doing it and there's no consequence, there's no, or I guess there's no apparent consequence, there's no punishment, there's no, you know, oh, that's wrong, then people are going to, be fine just doing what everyone else does and so I think we need to create that environment where it, you know it isn't cool to go get a plastic bag or it isn't cool to use all these single-use things and these packaged things um and I think that you know that's that that's what needs to be done so you talk about changing the environment or changing the awareness in the home particularly about the way that we think. Um, I want to share a short story, a very, well, just a short comment about when I was a kid, basically, uh, well, when I was in high school, I had a dear friend who actually became my stepsister because our parents married each other. (laughs) Um, And she is a magician. And so we created a magic act for one of our science projects that was about environmentalism, was about cleaning up the trash. And so we did the magic act where, you know, the stage was littered with trash and we talked about recycling and reusing and through the magic, we, the trash disappeared. And it was, it was really a wonderful production that actually they, they told us to go around to the different elementary schools and present it as an earth day you know celebration and lesson so how does it look the, this gets to my question for you how can we actually reach the kids is it through school is it through production and art and drama is it through um, churches is it through you know how can we or maybe all of the above um, how can we start to work on the next generations to make this as a permanent mindset yeah, so I mean, I don't think there's any one answer, and if there is, then I'm probably probably don't know it. Um, but I think it is kind of more an all of the above um, situation, and I think you know, even I, I know that both of us identify as Baha'is, um, and in the Baha'i faith, we believe in the individual investigation of truth. Um, 
so you know a lot of times in other religions it's all about conversion and believing but we you know say look for yourself what is your truth and um what do you believe is right for you and for your life and i think that's you know that shall should be promoted for not just religion but for um paths in life for you know because a lot of people they blindly follow what they see on social media or what their parents do you know even thinking about politics they you know, a lot of people just choose, oh, my parents are affiliated with this party. Okay, well, that must be the best one. I'll, you know, I'll do the same thing. And maybe that's not always the best thing to do. Um, so I think that we should look for ourselves because a lot of views that I formed have been from looking at videos, from looking, from reading articles, from maybe uh, joining a, a group. And then I can learn more. And I think, oh, wow, like I didn't know this before. Because, you know, they don't teach a lot of this, you know, stuff at school. I don't remember ever hearing, you know, anything serious about climate change in school or the ways that, you know, there were a few little campaigns here and there. But there wasn't anything solid that I was like, oh, my God, went home and said, we need to change. Like, I never thought that way. Um you know, even with, I know you mentioned earlier with, like, the eating, like, at school, I remember when I was young, I learned that, oh, milk, milk is good for your teeth, and this is this, is this and this is that, and, and maybe in, uh, like, a biology class, we had, like, a, or it might be, it might have been life skills, maybe it was biology, um, we learned, you know, our, the food pyramid, and I remember that I was taught that, you know, the one of the biggest, uh, things on your plate should be just carbohydrates um and so you know we're we're taught these things and we don't think about okay let's do some own research we just say oh well the teacher's saying it that's you know that's what we should follow or oh the teacher's not saying it well that isn't important so i think we should you know have more presentations in school have more programs you know you with the uh, magic performance you know they they wanted you to go to elementary schools and i think that you know maybe even if it, there was one child's mind that thought, well, let me think about this a little bit more. And maybe they did, maybe they started a program or an organization where they are now. And maybe that, um, you know, that changed something. So I think that, you know, even if you can just reach one person or a few people or just change, change their view a little bit, I think that's very effective. So, you know, it is really an all of the above. It's in the home. It's um, when you go outside, it's at school. Um, because I don't think that just one facet of that will change um, enough. Yeah, good point. And Margaret Mead, who is a famous anthropologist, said that it it is, uh, I can't remember the quote exactly, but it, it basically that all the change in the world has happened through just a few people. In other words, you were just pointing out really touching one person can make a difference. And it's true because the differences are really, the big differences in the world are really made just by just one or two getting together and doing something different and creating a new way of being that people then jump on the bandwagon and are with. So that brings me to thinking about, you know, we're talking about these these new ways of being in the earth. What are some either some other issues besides climate change that are really near and dear to your heart and or where would you like to see the world kind of go in these opportunities of these times to begin to address some new issues and create a new world? Uh, sure. And I actually, I just searched up the quote here. So um, the list 
listeners can hear it if they haven't already. Um, But it it goes something along the lines of, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. Perfect. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. So, you know, and that goes back to, you know, you think, oh, one person can't do anything. But then you think of all these figures throughout society who have really made a change and, you know, are still well known today, you know, people like... Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Gandhi, you know, all these people, and even just people that maybe haven't gotten all the recognition who have just really changed or, like, invented something or um, discovered something that now is used in a cure for a disease that a lot of people have or, you know, all these other people that are just making these small changes that can really impact um, a lot of people. So I think, and, you know, the group of people as well, um, you know, a small group of Puna citizens, you know, you know, all these, and they, and they, they evolve, you know, and sometimes there are different protests or marches that go on annually in the first year, there are several hundred, second year, there are several thousand, you know, it just keeps growing because people see that cause and they think, I want to be part of that, I want to be part of that change. Um, but back to your question, um, what was the question? Sorry. <laughs> well, what kind of issues do you see moving oh, forward yes, yes. that you want to see in the world to change? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, there are so many, so many issues and difficulties with the world today. And, you know, I, I focus on a few and, but everyone has their own things. I know several family members who um, fight more for racial justice or gender inequality, um, and maybe for like um, immigration, you know, that whole thing. So, you know, there are all these, these uh, areas you can fight for, you can be involved in. Um, so definitely that, you know, environmental, environmental justice and everything, I'm involved in that. Um, but additionally, um, one thing that I haven't been as involved in, um, because I don't feel like it's as direct, um, is the whole issue of, you know, animal cruelty and kindness to animals. And, you know, I volunteer with my local humane society here. Um, maybe I can, uh, link, <laughs> link to that somehow. I think I, I have a new, um, post coming out today on the neabean.com that's going to talk about my experience or I'll post it soon about fostering a dog through the Humane Society so I'll probably have a link there Fantastic. Um, <laughs> but you know so I volunteer there and sometimes I post a few things on you know my social media and everything because we you know we use animals for so many things these days and um, they don't deserve you know to be in, in our shoes and in our clothes and in our food, you know, all these things that we just use them for, and we're like, oh, well, we're bigger than you, or we have weapons to kill you, so we're going to take advantage of that, and I think that, um, you know, a lot of people promote kindness, but then, you know, they, they're practicing this, uh, uh, I guess, opposite of kindness to animals, and a lot of everything things that we eat, we wear, we support, um, so that I, I would say that is another one, and, um, I think those are the two biggest um, causes or problems that I associate myself um, with helping solve. But, um, you know, like I said, in Belize, there's so much crime. Um, I know that my youth group here, um, they have a project, or we have a project called Tech Time for Read. So that's um, techtimefreed.org. And I don't know if you can put a description after the... um, after this recording, but it's T E K time T I M E 
F-I-R-E-A-D.org. Um, and so it's a little combination of Creole and English, and um, we've distributed over 12,000 books um, through different methods, different events, um, through giving them out for free, for selling them at an affordable price so that we can get books out to children here in Belize because, you know, there isn't that much access to them, and the library doesn't have a lot of books, especially compared to um, American libraries, so that is one initiative that we've been working on. We've done some, you know, sometimes we've done, like, cleanups. Um, we've done the renovation of the hospitals, the local hospital's children's ward. So there are also these small things that, you know, I participate in. And, you know, like I said, everyone has the thing that they fight for or that they support. Um, and, you know, another thing I think is, you know, the whole... Um, idea of racial inequality um and you know even just in terms of um everyone how they identify that there is so much discrimination uh based upon people's religion um racial identity sexual orientation and i don't think that you know you should hate on anyone else because of the way that they identify because you know especially if they're not harming you in any way you know obviously if somebody is a murderer and they're going around murdering people you shouldn't be like oh that's okay be who you are murder people you know that's a little different um but if they're just doing something that they identify with i don't think that um they should be harmed in any way or lose opportunities um because of that and you know in movies and in a lot of uh, religions and philosophies, you know, there's the whole thing of love overcomes hate. And I think that that's very important. And with a lot of issues today, a lot of discrimination and prejudice stereotypes, you know, it's a lot of hate. And I think that, you know, love should overcome that and eventually love will overcome that. Wow. Good job. You're describing a lot of service opportunities, you know, that you are working with. And that's exciting. What, how do you feel that young people like yourself can contribute to service to humanity? Uh, well, I think that, you know, you know, everywhere around the world, it's very different. There's not just one program. You know, there is the Geneva right, program, right. the Baha'i Geneva program, spiritual empowerment program. That is, you know, um, globally run, so there are many um, places. But, you know, some places probably don't have a local group like that. So um, there are all these organizations and programs you can join or that you can just volunteer for. And, you know, there are small things you can do. You know, you could go outside and clean up something or take a few of your friends go volunteer somewhere that it doesn't have to be um, a, under a group. But if you want, you can um, ask people in your area, have you heard of any youth group in the area that does service? Um, I know some youth groups, they don't focus as much on service. Maybe they do more study or um, more fun activities, but there are a lot of groups that do focus on service. Um, there are a lot of nonprofit organizations, like I said earlier, with the Humane Society here um, that you can volunteer for when they have different events, fundraisers. Um, and then, of course, like I said, the Geneva Spiritual Empowerment Program is in a lot of countries and areas, and they do a lot of service. And then recently, um, like I joined 
before, I guess I'm a member of um, a lobbying organization called Citizens Climate Lobby, so we don't do as much service, but um, they do have a lot of calls um, from uh, people that are very knowledgeable about certain things about climate change. Um, you can lobby with your congressman. Um, you can send different, um, like there's a way you can send a letter uh, to the editor, and so there are all these opportunities through that that you can also do things that maybe aren't exactly service, but that could um, be part of making a change. And I think it's just really looking around locally um, to see what uh, problems your community has, because every community will be different, and seeing if there are any um, places, uh, organizations, um, programs you can join, and if not, then um, maybe doing some online um, activism or advocacy for topics that you're interested in, or or asking a group of friends if they could help you um, maybe do a service project. Wow. You are a busy young woman. (laughs) And in your last year of high school, too. So you are packing it all in. I want to go a little deeper and ask you, Nia, how has being doing all these service projects, being a person who has a life of service, how has that really changed you or defined who you are? Um, well, I think, you know, there's still a lot I could improve on. Um, but I think <laughs> You're not that, done yet. It's true. <laughs> um, that when you do service, like there's this whole concept of um, selfless service and um, kind of a, a subset of service um, where, you know, you're really doing it. It's not for yourself. It's not for recognition. It's, you know, to really help whatever cause you're doing. Um, so if you're visiting, uh, say, a retirement home, it's not so that you can post online later, you know, hey, you know, visited some elderly people today or, you know, or, um, you know, maybe if that's community service hours for your school, like, it's not always for something. It's, okay, I'm going to go to the retirement home because I want to make people happy and I want to, um, you know, give some company to people that might not always receive visits or, you know, it's, it's for... It's for the betterment of society instead of just for yourself, and it's doing it even when it's hard. Um, but uh, let me interject for a second. It sounds oh, like it is It is for you, too, because you just said you want to make people happy, so you are getting a benefit out of it as well. Is that not true? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, in terms of saying for, uh, like, if it was for you, I think I, I maybe I didn't explain that as, as well, but I think um, more in the way of, like, maybe personal gain, monetary. Um, right. Or just recognition somewhere or getting credit for something, I think, more. You know, because when you do service, you do feel good. You feel like maybe you're helping somebody or that you're um, making the world a better place, that you're making a difference in someone's life, and you should be able to feel that way and feel good about that. Um, But I think when I said, you know, doing it for yourself, I was thinking more of, like, you're doing it only because you know that a bunch of people will be like, oh, great job afterwards, and you'll get all this recognition and everything. So I think I meant it that way. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) And it feels like more and more we are being called to be of service. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you, so let's get it back around to COVID-19 for just a minute. Do you think that's (laughs) calling, how is that connecting people? How is that connecting people? Um, well, I, I think, you know, the thing about COVID-19 is that it's a situation, it's a, I guess it, you could call it a pro- problem if you want to, um, that affects 
everyone, you know, I mean, some people are benefiting from it, you know, if they have, uh, you know, an online conferencing business or if they have a business that sells, you know, bacterial products, you know, things that people are buying a lot more of these days. Disinfectants, than I guess, yeah. Yeah, then I guess you are um, benefiting from it. But in a, a lot of people, you know, they've lost their jobs, they've gone bankrupt, their family members have been very sick or they've died. Um, so a lot of people um, aren't benefiting from this, um, at least directly. And I think that that's very rare in this world. You know, sometimes, uh, say, gender inequality, if you're not in the, uh, say, say if it's between uh, man and woman, then, and it's the woman that's being disadvantaged, then the man, it's not really affecting them, or say, um, with, you know, immigration status. You know, somebody's already a citizen of a country, they're, they're born there, they won't care as much about, you know, that problem. But with COVID-19, you know, COVID-19 doesn't care if you're, what color you are, what your status in society is, it can, it can, um, it can, it can affect you, you affect know, because, yeah. It, yeah, you can, you can still catch it, you can still have your immune system compromised, you can still die from it, um, and I think that's why, you know, it's such, one, one of the reasons it's such a big thing is that it can really affect anyone, and anyone really can catch it, there's no way that you can guarantee for sure that, I mean, I, I mean, if you're alone by yourself in the desert, you can't really catch it, I guess, but if it get ex- gets exposed to you, you know, there's not really a way to, you know, say, oh yeah, I, I don't want it to to affect me. It doesn't. It doesn't care. And I think that's why, um, you know, COVID nineteen is one of one of the reasons it's such a big thing because it really does affect everyone. And you know, this is one of the times more than ever that we need to come together because it does affect all of us. And some some people don't have the resources to maybe prevent it as much or um, recover from it. And I think that we really need to work together. And, you know, a lot of people are working together to create initiatives to help get food to certain families or to find um, find and fund um, a possible vaccination. So, you know, a lot of these initiatives are working um, in maybe making at least one aspect of this better. But, you know, it really... It really affects everyone, and you know, there's so it's, going back to service. There are so many, you know, frontline workers who, you know, although they get, they are getting paid for their job, they, you know, it's it's doing extra hours, it's doing the extra mile just to make sure that you can, you know, save as many people as possible. So, um, a lot of those frontline workers and healthcare workers are just doing all they can right now and are sacrificing so much to make sure that you know people get their best chance. Um, living and everything so they are you know, and i yeah. and i want to thank those who are listening if you have anyone in your family who is a is a frontline worker thank you so much for helping all of us around the planet yes. and also you know we offer our sympathies and condolences for anyone who has had friends or family uh pass away from this this virus this this world disease um and so it's it's teaching humanity lessons, uh, whether we like it or not, of course. And you bring many of the areas of service, Nia, you're talking about, to the forefront. What kind of spiritual lessons are we learning from this pandemic and, and from climate change and other cat- catas- uh, catastrophes, ca- you know, that... Uh, um, 
tests and difficulties that people are having around the world. What can we learn spiritually from these? Um, well, I, I, first of all, I thank you for bringing that back to me. You know, this is a peace brain show, and you know, we are, we all should be striving for you know peace and unity. And I think one of the biggest things is that you know. A lot in a lot of areas, you know, religion divides us. It's oh, I go to this church and you go to that place of worship, or you know, my religion is the best. And I think that that divides us a lot. But you know, most major religions have a lot of things in common: you know, love, unity, peace, you know, generosity, and uh, helping the poor. You know, all these things that are you know very similar that are common between all of these religions because they're things that we should strive for. And when you look at COVID-19 and everything and all the problems in the world, a lot of those could be solved with that same love, peace, you know, harmony. And so I think that instead of, you know, having these things divide us by religion, by um, maybe our political party or our race, you know, we should think, okay, let's strive for peace and justice. Um, because, you know, that will really help the world in a lot of places. And so, um, you know, with COVID-19 and all these other problems that we've been talking about during this call, you know, we really do need to come together. And that's one of the things that the Baha'i Faith promotes is one of the biggest things is, is, is unity. Um, and with this, you know, all these protests and everything that we've seen within the past few months, it's when we all see justice, then we'll all see peace. And um, I think that... In, in terms of uh, spirituality and everything, it is, you know, peace and harmony and that we should be applying that to our everyday lives and to the actions that we, that we make. And you bring it back around to a quote that I remember Martin Luther King Jr. said, and again, I'm not quoting it exactly because it's not in front of me, but he basically <laughs> says that, you know, we are all related and what affects one affects all. Um, and it's it's a beautiful quote of we we are learning that certainly that spiritual lesson with with COVID and you're right to be have compassion to have love to start to help our neighbor get to know our neighbor even if you <laughs> helping is is the second part of it getting to know each other is really the prerequisite if you will of assisting is developing those relationships that really point out that we are one human family. Um, so we are getting, we're listening to Nia Bean. Thank you, Nia, for being on the Peace Brain Show. And I'm Gail Lash. And we're getting toward the end of the show. We're going to have a Peace Brain meditation at the end. But what would you like to say to our listeners for the next three minutes or so as a wrap-up? Uh, sure. So uh, first of all, um, I'd like to really, you know, thank you for joining us here today. Um, if you're only able to... Uh, listen to part of it you can I think it's um, I think Miss Gail can or Dr. Gail can um, uh, repeat um, where you can find the episodes of the Peace Brain show Um, but you you know just think I guess think about you know what we discussed here and you know how you can apply peace and unity to your life how maybe you can change some of your actions and there's you know there's so much information online there are books there are videos, articles that you can read and uh, uh, 
videos you can listen to that you can learn more about maybe how you can contribute to society. Um, and if you'd like, um, at the bottom of my websites that were mentioned at the beginning of the show, there's um, a little uh, follow button. So you can put your email there and whenever there's a new post, um, then you'll get a notification by email. Um, and then for the beansimple.home.blog, there's also um, a link to a YouTube channel. I post YouTube videos every now and then about some ways maybe that you can um, practice more sustainability. So if you're interested in that, you can do that. But I just, I hope that everyone listening to this um, has a great day <laughs> um, and knows that we're thankful for them listening. And hopefully, um, I guess my homework for you is to do one uh, act of kindness within the next few days. I know there's this whole um, idea of random acts of kindness um, that you can do for somebody and, you know, kind of the whole idea of passing it on because you, you'll you do something for someone and they'll do something for somebody else and, you know, this whole cycle. So if you could just do one thing, if it's opening the door for someone or um, maybe helping someone out within the next few days. I think that's my little assignment. <laughs> but thank, thank you for listening. <laughs> I love that assignment. I do. It reminds me of the movie Pay It Forward. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, Nia, for being on the Peace Brain Show. You're welcome. Been, thank you for having me. <laughs> it's been a delight to have you here. And I noticed that you have 50 simple... Um, hold on a minute. I was just on it. 50 oh, that, things that. you can, you know, a guide to uh, reducing oh, yeah, that's your carbon footprint. To another website, but yes, you can check that out. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Since we were talking about climate change and talking about reducing your carbon footprint, so many environmental issues, so many issues of humanity to discuss. <laughs> so another time. Yeah. yeah. So again, Nia's uh, websites are Nia Bean. Dot com, and you're right. I went back to that other one, uh, and that's n i a b e a n e dot com. And then you can also go to Nia's other website. That's beansimple dot home dot blog. That's b e a n e, and then simple s i m p e p l e dot home dot blog, and find out about all the wonderful things Nia is doing these days and advocating. And gee, we just got a thunder. That's a that's an exclamation mark on that. <laughs> We're about to have some rain here in Belize. Oh, all right. So, and this is Dr. Gail Lash, and you can find out more about me at tourismforpeace.com. And of course, you're listening to the Peace Brain Show on bbsradio.com. So. I want you all to get ready for a Peace Brain meditation. This is what I do at the end of all the Peace Brain shows. So just take a breath for a moment. And relax. And as I've said in the past, you can perhaps give yourself a grounding cord. That is basically an energetic connection between yourself and the earth. And I like to envision it as like a monkey's tail (laughs) coming out of my last vertebrae of my spine, going down all the way through the earth, the dirt, the bedrock, the molten lava, all the way into the center of Mother Earth. Or it can be a tree trunk and rooting into Mother Earth. Or perhaps you want to could choose a beam of light or a strand of roses. You know, be creative. Be a kindergartner. Just play with it. Create your own grounding cord. And that's coming off the base of your spine, going down to Mother Earth, really anchoring well into her iron crystal core. 
and take a breath. And then realize also along your spine, coming up your spine, you can create a beam of light going up your spine and out the top of your head, all the way up into the cosmos, up into Father Sky, and connecting you with Father Sky and the cosmos. For you are this wonderful being of light, this wonderful physical being of energy, walking around on the planet, connected to both the planet and connecting to the stars. So take a breath and realize you're much more than your physical shape right now. We talked a lot about service today and about being in that compassionate heart, doing an act of kindness. So I want you to, I invite you to go within your own heart to just close your eyes if you choose. You can keep them open too if you want. But go into that sacred part of your heart. We all have this. We all have this, not only a beautiful physical heart that pumps the blood, the chi, the energy through our bodies, but we also have that sacred heart. And this is where the Creator resides. This is where all that is. This is your spiritual self. This is where it resides, is in your heart. And remember, we talked about the Peace Brain Show being connecting your head and your heart, your mind, your intellect, and your heart. So I invite you now to go into that beautiful heart and find this beautiful place of peace within you. For you are the peace that is going to begin to spread the peace on the planet. And I like to... I like to create a place, um, a sanctuary in my heart that I can visit whenever I choose, whenever I'm feeling harassed or anxious or pissed off or, (laughs) or just something has got me rattled. I can take a breath, close my eyes, go within my heart and find this beautiful place I know I talked to my brother once. I had a screensaver on my computer, and it was this beach scene, beautiful tropical beach, a couple of chairs, a palm tree, the the blue ocean. And he said, oh, that's my place right there. That's the place I go to. And I went, what do you mean? He said, when I feel really rattled. And he had been at war, actually. He was a soldier. And he said, when I feel really rattled and I'm back there thinking about the war, I go to that place. That's my place of peace. And I thought, wow, fantastic. So I invite you to create that beautiful place of peace. It could be a mountain stream. It could be a meadow. It could be the beach. It could be a beautiful meditation room or some just place of beauty that you feel comfortable, that you feel calm, that you can in your mind and in your heart go to. So be there. I encourage you to be there. Just choose. You may have more than one, (laughs) and that's fine. That's okay. Visit one of them right now. And think about how you can be that act of kindness, how you can be that beautiful, compassionate person of service. What might be some service you can do in your community right now? And even staying at home, being online, you can create and commit acts of service and kindness 
through the internet as well. Maybe reach out to an old friend. Talk to someone who may be feeling down. You don't have to even leave your physical dwelling to do this. So take a breath and be in your peace sanctuary. And notice what you notice. Notice the smells, the colors, the sounds, the textures. This is your place. This is your private place of peace. Go there often. And then come back to humanity, back to your day, back to your room, back to your job, back to your family, and be that peace. (laughs) I invite you to then do what Nia was talking about, create that act of kindness. Create a place, maybe in the physical, actually go till the garden, Um, build a little wonderful place of beauty out in your yard or at your school or at your workplace. Decorate something so that it brings a smile to someone's face. You know what you can do. And thank you for being that place of peace, that person of peace here on the planet. For that is indeed how we're going to create a planet of peace, is to each one start by doing whatever we are unique at doing at and having faith in yourself that you do make a difference, just like Margaret Mead said. It is that committed, that small group of committed citizens, that thoughtful citizens, that can change the world. And indeed, it always is just that. That's all it takes. So thank you for tuning into the Peace Brain Show today. I've really enjoyed having my guest, Nia Bean. And again, you can check out her website at niabean.com or beansimple.home.blog. And this is your host, Dr. Gail Lash. You can find out more about me at tourismforpeace.com. And go have a beautiful couple of weeks, and we'll be talking to you in a couple more weeks. Um, Good luck. Namaste. Many blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Peace Brain Show. You can find us at tourismforpeace.com. Be sure to check out Dr. Gale's Akashic Records readings, her peace master plans for your business or organization, and her book, Hashtag Opt for Peace, Nine Essential Steps to Achieving Peace, Power, and Prosperity. Tune in to BBS Radio, Station One, every other Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific and 9 p.m. Eastern to the Peace Brain Show for your installment of wonder, inspiration, and practical peace.